Time is a constant struggle if you want some. You got to make trouble. Freedom is a constant struggle if you want some. You've got to make trouble. We're the troublemakers. Help us save the world. 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 Bloodflower. Uh, and Evel went out of accordion. That was kind of a pre-accordion uh, kind of music, too. It was. It was a preclude to an accordion with that melodica. And here would be Lorenzo on the accordion. He's going to do a couple songs, and then we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, and Lorenzo, Lorenzo is, uh, like we said, Dave, he's in high school still. He's a senior this year, um, but... Uh, uh, a young man of many talents. So I know he's been playing the accordion since he was 10 um, and then started playing around, or since he was seven, 
pardon me, uh, and uh, started playing around North Beach restaurants and clubs as a kid. So um, it's a real treat to have him in here today. And um, so, Lorenzo, uh, welcome to Mutiny Radio. And I bet he's also a science fiction fan. <laughs> we'll talk about it. If I see one of it. Welcome. If you go ahead and take it away. Hey, Lorenzo, 
you take your accordion off, leave it on the stage, and then come in here, because we're also going to tell you he's a many a fascinating human being. One, one is being a published author, and we talk about his books, plus, 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 plus. Have you seen... It's a beautiful book. I know. I mean, okay, so so I first um, became aware of Lorenzo uh, Lucchese when I, I opened up the SI Genesis Quarterly magazine because he and I, well, he currently attends the same high school that I graduated from uh, a few years ago. And um, he had been featured, and, and I said, well, now this is an interesting young person so um it was really I, I said i would love to have him come on to the show and then um happened to just run into him actually the the night of the mayoral election i was i was i believe i was wearing my kind of um, uncle sam hat uh running around to the various uh, election parties and and there you were standing outside of the bar because you're not 21 yet um for angela aliotto's um election night party and I said I know who you are and here we are finally here at Mutiny Radio. Lorenzo, welcome. Thank you Val. I'm glad to be on the show. Glad to have run into you that very spontaneous night at Miss Aliotto's party. <laughs> well spontaneity is the way it works if you're open to it. That's one of my core beliefs that it's that everything is indeed connected so it's good to see you Lorenzo. Hey what was it what were the two numbers uh, you just played? Well, the first one was a song called Luce Ombre. It was originally a French composition, but was gradually incorporated into Italian music. Um, the idea is light and shadow, so you'll notice there's a lot of scales going up and down the keyboard, so those are supposed to be representative. Just so you can envision shadows going down a sidewalk, and it's supposed to be a very melodic, French, very impassionate nice. tune, love song almost. And the second song I played was, it was a medley of two classic Italian songs, emblematic of San Francisco's North Beach, where I spent um, most of, well, a lot of my life since I grew up in the Excelsior, but spent a lot of time playing down there. Uh, oh Marie was a, a song loved by many and a, a, an older Italian woman, I'll say. And, and also La Mio is, is, a, is a favorite. That was one of my first big tip earners when I was still little, making the ones, five, ten dollar bills, walking around the streets of North Beach at the age of seven. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. I know. I, I was listening to you and I felt like I was, you know, sitting on the, the edge of the Arno or something or, you know, or in a little French cafe, perhaps in Paris. Um, so thank you for, for bringing all of that musicality here uh, to Mutiny Radio and into our community space. But those restaurants in North Beach, I believe I know the ones you mean, the Italian restaurants in North Beach, which have been, uh, many have been around for many, many years, you know. Uh-huh. I first got there in 1957, so that's a long time ago. So you'll be part of what soon we were called a beatniks. So I was really interested in, uh, in the book that you wrote, uh, called the North Beach Story. Why don't you let's begin? Tell me and tell us a bit about that, and how you you, uh, you overheard the stories. Tell me more. Tell me more about this book got together. Well, well, my accordion and my writing careers, if you want, like to call it that, um, they've been they're very intertwined with each other. So I first started going up there at the age of seven because my godfather, who owned the late Cafe Puccini, Puccini uh, okay. due to a, a fire recently, it has been unfortunately closed down. But it's, mm. it was been there since the 1970s so I grew up going to North Beach a lot and and naturally as I was up there and and after I'd stop playing sit down for a cup of coffee you'd meet what are known as well at least the remainder of the beat generation uh, people Diamond Dave's age 
um, uh, people who knew, maybe perhaps knew Jack Kerouac or Allen Ginsberg personally. And overhearing the stories, I decided to craft that little novella. Well, I'm looking forward to reading it because you got to remember because so my memories. And of course, I was there, and it was Herb Cain, who was a columnist for the, for the Chronicle, way back that everybody would read. And he invented this thing called three dot, three dot journalism, where he'd have a line or two and then three dots, and I'd lie about something totally different. And he was the one who first began calling it this beatniks. That was 1957. Now, your dad's here. Hey, Dad. Hello, Welcome, Franco. So this is a freewheeling conversation. Jump in. But, but you began to hear there, because I'd like to respond that, that there had been some kind of verbal battles or face-off between the indigenous Italian population. Of course, it was, that was right across Broadway and Columbus from Chinatown, which was, which was originally Italian, and then the comings of the beats. And did you hear that there was conflict? And I'd like to read this. Tell us, give us your own picture of the story. Oh, to give you the, the whole story uh, on, on what's known as can it be my first novella, The Battle for North Beach, and my only novella thus far, about about 100 pages, extremely easy read. And I'm in the spirit of Herb Cain. There, there is um, quite, a, quite a lot of humor in there. Uh, one, of the, one of the beginnings of my idea to craft this book came out with, you know, you see a lot of the older, you know, beatniks, older poets especially, you know, one cup of coffee, <laughs> and, and they're known for taking Taking up table space for three hours. Well, that's what the triestas were. <laughs> it, it was no, and I'm guilty of that too. Well, I hope but, so. Uh, that's right. And that was the, that was the beginning conflict in in the battle for North Beach, which was that the, it was the Italian restaurateurs versus the beatniks, and it was you know these two opposing forces because one is so much more traditional and conservative than the other, and one is of course these people who have come from all across the country to gather in this one place, and of course it's exaggerated uh, because yeah. there really wasn't a battle for North Beach. Um, perhaps there was a symbolic battle, but certainly not a physical one. And the protagonist in that story, um, it came from, it's a story based on this man who came from Iowa. So like many of the B generations wanting to escape. Uh, Minnesota in my case. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So, so, so you know it. Uh, it's the quintessential beat story. You just said it. You know, someone. I had my thumb out. <laughs> someone, you know, wants to escape you know, whatever Sides to tells them they want to be, and they come out to North Beach, and, you know, of course, there's some influences like drugs and alcohol and stuff, but it's ultimately a quest for identity, and it's from this perspective of one of these guys who's beginning to get old in North Beach society, and he's taking up the... Uh, the life and rituals of a of an older San Franciscan, and now he's he's witnessing this conflict go on, you know, in in flames between the North Beach and North Beach is ultimately burned down in the end of this book. Again, you can take that metaphorically, but it's a, it's an insight. It's um, the best imagination of an imaginated San Francisco era gone by. <laughs> wow. And, and that was your first book, a novella, as you called it. Yeah, at, at, age, at age 11. At age 11. <laughs> Dude, so this is a, so we, did you grow up? Did your dad, your mom help you, encourage you to become a big reader? Was reading what you did a good share of your, when you weren't playing, learning to play the... 
Oh, well, re reading was certainly critical, critical. But, but you know, it was, it was both of my parents. You know, my teacher had always said, you know, eventually when you're older someday you'll be playing gigs sometime. And I always figured that was when maybe I was 30, 40 years old. But when I was 10, you know, 11, I, I got invited by a restaurant tour up in North Beach. His name was he was he was the former owner of Frankino Restaurant on Columbus, right next to Mona Lisa Restaurant. Mm. He has unfortunately left us. But that was beginning of my career. My dad said, you, you know, you should form a Yelp page. And now through the years, I find myself two to three times a week, especially for the Oktoberfest season, going all across the Bay Area. And um, and with the books, too. With the, with the books, too, he and gave me books. a lot of support and gave me some ideas. And But, you know, he was the one who encouraged me. I had to go get a U.S. copyright, get an ISBN, and kind of navigate the process myself. Wow. Good. So you're self-printed out there, but you can be found in, through Amazon. Is that right? Yeah, through Amazon and other mediums, such wow, as I, have a lot of books. I, I sell it at, you know, Dog-Eared Books in the Mission, Adobe Bookstore over Adobe, on 24th Street. I believe I have some over at Folio, at uh, the Beat Museum, of course. Oh, and yeah. I'm still working on, on getting it over to City Lights, but, um, of course, they're on Amazon, and occasionally during the June Book Fair at Cafe Trieste, that's, the most, that's, wow. the, that's where I'm most easily accessible. Well, you'd be an amazing human being. Now this is this latest, which is over. Well, you, this is you're working. You're working on your fourth one, your fourth book. But you've on. you've written you've written three and and then some so far. So um, the battle for North Beach, uh, which we were just talking about, and then. Um, this one that we have in our hands called Diarrhea of a Black Man, um, <laughs> co-authored by Lorenzo here um, and Bradley Haynes. What is this? So this is a relationship that, that, that you've met um, th this man and worked together to, to put this book together to tell his story. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> tell us a little bit about this man and, and, and how you um, came to um, befriend him in such a way. Uh, well, like most of my uh, people that I encounter, like even you, Val, it was really, really just that spontaneous moment. I, I met him at the Cafe Trieste. Um, uh, that was one night, St. Patrick's Day of March. And I, um, he was in front of the Cafe Trieste. I just put my accordion down and he said, I said, he said, where's the party? <laughs> and that was kind of our opening line. And, you know, I had some family who had lived in the Midwest a long time ago. So I was really curious about Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee history. So I had read up about that and we had, had managed to have a fairly nice conversation about. So I kind of understood some elements of what he grew up in. And so... I jokingly said, semi-jokingly, I suppose, looking back in retrospect, that I should write your biography. <laughs> <laughs> and two weeks later, I sent him an email. I said, Bradley, you know, meet me at the Cafe Trieste. And I said, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I was a little, <laughs> I, I, played, I played around with him a little bit because we sat at the table where Coppola had written The Godfather. <laughs> and I said, we're at a table with a long literary legacy. <laughs> and I said, hopefully we can follow through with that tradition. So what he would do is every weekend or whenever he was writing on Bart to get to work, he would he would send me recordings, MP3 recordings of a little bit of his life. And of course, we made a mod modifications here and there. Nothing too big, mostly changing other people's names to protect their privacy. But it's a really interesting story because there's not written from this, not, not much written from this perspective about this particular time in Midwest history. And g give us a little synopsis of um, why his story is so, uh, you know, compelling. Let me, let me, before oh. you do, I'm going to yeah. do a couple of sentences. Oh, good. And you go from there. 
Detroit's Northwest Side. Began working at the Detroit Park and Rec, the Ford Assembly Plant, of course, Detroit, and Michigan Bell. He's always been a recording artist, a sous-line chef, a hippie, a truck driver, a casino worker, a drug dealer, a psychotechnic, a computer security expert, a network system administrator, and project designer. Spent time in Susansville State Penitentiary. I have friends who are there witnessing attacks and murder. So you summed all of this up, eh? This is the paragraph that you helped sum up what had already been. That's correct. So you had to say you had to do a little bit of research in all of these various things, so you could ask intelligent questions. Well, well, so many of some of these quite exotic professions, um, you know, I did, especially as he went into information technology, and that was the resurrection of his life. That's where he's at now, living over in the east, residing in the East Bay. Um, but you know, a lot of research was involved because I incorporated a lot of history. And well, it wasn't just biography. I wanted to explain to the readers exactly what was going on during that. time. Time. And of course, he has some powerful anecdotes to back some of that history up. Uh, but there was a lot of explanations I had to do, a lot of definitions and parentheses, and kind of help people understand exactly what was going on in this man's life. And what was his take on it? Once he, he said, here it is, here it is, he's in the manuscript, here it is, uh, Bradley, what do you think? And then he, he, he did a little writing in between, in between the lines, and it came together. That's amazing, brother, and you're a high school student. Well, <laughs> uh, you, you probably get that a lot. <laughs> I, I imagine. Uh, I, I wish we had camera again. Visuals would be good. Go ahead, brother. I think Dave's asking about, you know, um, kind of the, the once it got towards the end and, and you had this manuscript in hand, like giving, you know, now now Bradley has it in his hand. Well, it's kind of interesting. You know, I can invite some, uh, some of your listeners to think about what if you have your entire life story written in 250 pages? Of course, there must be a lot going through your mind. But I had a lot of people say, um, through you know, my, my style of writing is a little more historical. History is one of my favorite genres. Again, we can go back to the Battle of North Beach alternate history, alternate historical fiction. And um, I got a lot of people who said it sounded like it was told from the diction of an old black minister in the South because of its writing style. Mm -hmm. But he said, you know, it's interesting. You look back at your life and you see it's finally told in story form and you don't really think about it that way when you're wow. growing up. You know, it's a day-to-day -day basis. You're in first person. But now you have someone who's taken your life from you. What a blessing. <laughs> of course. Don't take that too far. Um, <laughs> Not literally. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Science fiction. But in a beautiful literary yeah. way. Well, yeah. we'd like to hear some of it. And I'm sure that our vast uh, company of listeners out there is say, let them read some. So do you have a particular spot you'd like to read? Oh, sure. Your choice. I was just reading a paragraph which was catching me. Well, I, we do have a quote in the back of the book, which if one of some of your listeners do buy it, they can see that's at the very top. Uh, I had my cover artist, he wrote this line, it takes more than luck to stay alive. Mm, <laughs> but, uh, but, this, but the quote in the back is taken directly out of the book. Um, I'll go ahead and read it before I perform some analysis. The dilemma at hand wasn't merely physical. It was a life's worth of emotions that were pouring out of his frail, frigid body, which lay baking on the ground beneath the warmish 
Michigan sun. His unshaven beard rubbed up against the warm sidewalk while his forehead lay dripping with the last bits of sweat which would ever be seen out of Mr. Jenkins. His hand, legs, and feet were the stillest, most serene I'd ever seen them. His lack of movement brought out a peaceful calmness which I had never seen anyone in, not even my father who would sit quietly composing his music. I knew that he was in a better place. The day Ronald Michael and I came into Motown Liquors to buy some canned food and steal a shopping cart, I couldn't help but notice the pain and humdrumness which filled every vein of Mr. Jenkins' body. His facial muscles were not composed of tissues or capillaries, instead pain, distress, and sadness. His death had been in the making for years, but as he prepared himself for heaven, his store rated itself to be another open, empty lot, which would become one of thousands in, in Detroit, Michigan. Wow, empty lots, Detroit, Michigan, whole neighborhoods emptied out. He alluded to it. Well, that's some writing, brother. And what did Bradley think when he read that? He must have been had his mind blown in a good way. <laughs> what? Uh, well, 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 certainly some of his family members. I mean, there are a few details in the book which we kind of had to change. Well, uh, we won't go into those right now. <laughs> but his, of course, his family was thinking uh, kind of that same reaction when you say, "Oh wow, you're a millionaire. Where's the money?" <laughs> uh, so, uh, m- mostly jokes like that. But his family was very proud. You know, his mother always told them two things: uh, one is to build the house and to write a book. Uh, those were, I, you know, in his tradition, he was a member of the Black Masons, Prince Hall Freemasons. Um, those were two key, you know, elements of his life that he had to fulfill. And mm. as, in his words, we've done one of those things, which is write the book. Wow. And, and now you're going to help build the house. We'll burn that bridge when we get there. Okay, we'll build that <laughs> house when we get there. Build that house when we get there. Nice, Dave. Nice. <laughs> I did that <laughs> Good bridge. Good old man. Well, that look, time. that's so amazing. So you plan, I have a couple, so what do you think now? You're about to graduate high school this year, is that right? That's correct, in, in June. And where, where do you go again? I go to St. Ignatius College Preparatory. Uh, Val here is an alumni as well, and as well as my father, so 75% of this room. That's right. And that's right across the road from uh, from City College. No, oh, that's the other it's, one. it's down on Sunset Boulevard. It's down the hill. Okay. Yeah, it's well, out. Say, it's over there. It's in. Let's go west. Well, Phelan, <laughs> City College. Right. But now Phelan is now Frida Kahlo. Did you see that? They did change the name now to Frida Kahlo Way. Frida Kahlo. If you, if you, if you want to send a letter to, to City College, say I'm thinking about going there. Whatever. I, I'm interested in this. It's on. It's not on Phelan any longer. It's now called Frida Kahlo. Well, it's speaking to a, a, a great um, forward thinking on the behalf of San Francisco and looking to celebrate artists as we do here at Mutiny Radio. Um, I want to talk for, if, if we may, to Please. about your other book, um, the book that, you know, I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is a book I wanted to write, um, American Advent. So, you, uh, did you, so American Advent, you went and actually interviewed people around the country during, or people from around the country at least, during the 2016 election to kind of investigate some of the divisions that we were seeing. How did you write this book? What was that all about? Yeah, well, after I had was finished writing The Battle for North Beach, you know, I was idle for a while trying to put together some sort of draft of something, and there, there was really not, not a ton going on at that time that really was very, <laughs> that gave me a lot of inspiration for those years between the ages of 11 and 16. Um, so, you know, I stayed in school, good thing. <laughs> and then the 2016 presidential election uh, came around, and, you know, there's a... Th- that that kind of that created an America that you know you know we're still dealing with today and 
it's changed the lives of a lot of people, needless to say. And uh, I had a lot of encouragement from my mother. That's that's right. I had a lot of encouragement from from my mother for this certain this particular this project in particular because she encouraged me to reach out to people and says, you know, there's there's all these segments of the country. You know, there's really is no one definition of America. Uh, you know, you should go out there and explore it. So, you know, a lot of I had a lot of tons of encouragement from her, and I um, and I began this project. So, what I would do is, um, there's a lot of the comment sections of Facebook posts where um, uh, have become notorious for people strangers complaining with each other, which is ludicrous. Um, but in those articles, let's say I liked a, a certain senator's page from any state, I'd look through the comments, and there'd be people there expressing their opinion. So what I would do is I would message them, and I'd say, you know, would would you be bold enough to share your opinions with me? And you know, I I change your name, but I I would tell your story. Um, how should wow. I say in, in third person point of view mm-hmm. and what it is it's a collection of roughly 12 stories from each hour of election day counting down different sentiments all across the country wow. gathered from people from a variety of professions variety of backgrounds all weaved together to produce uh, you know an outcome that was wasn't believed by many so and the archives of this is available somehow you kept all that all the letters you got all the emails you got all the people answered who reached out to you because you reached out generally to them that's correct um <laughs> well you know of course I had to ask permission uh, Love that, <laughs> yeah and uh no but it was very fun I mean I, I had so many different people one was a head of a car a car cruiser club in Little Rock Arkansas who had known Bill Clinton personally and he lived only two blocks away from Bill Clinton's home when he was a, the attorney general of the state of Arkansas another guy I had was a retired German lawyer in Milwaukee um, farmer in New Mexico and Las Vegas, wow. not not Las Vegas, Nevada, Las Vegas, New Mexico, like Paris, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had a photographer who lived in rural Western Pennsylvania. Wow! And it, it, so many different perspectives all put together. And sometimes, you know, you attach your own feelings to a candidate, and a win for someone might win a loss for someone else, and it, it may not even make any sense at all. Hmm. Well, I, well, I, you know, I want to get a copy of American Advent. Wow! And well. I, so I know that all of your books are available on Amazon, but then um, is this one also in some local bookstores too? Yeah, that one you can also find at, at Dogyard Books, and I believe Adobe should have uh, a, a few things on hand. Yeah, but but Amazon too, of course. Um, uh, the books have ended up at various bookstores throughout the city. Those oh, are just should. two I can name, but yeah, but they're scattered should. out throughout San Francisco. Sorry. Now you're holding skills. You hold some skills doing this, and I'm I'm saying open mouth how you put the advent together, and the people you found. Now we're heading for. I'm saying from the perspective of my age, what's going to be politically one of some of the most interesting times that is America's yet see. The possibility that I'm a president, and here's what you, you my line, I say uh, Trump, and I've been said this months before he was elected. I said, Trump, you've heard me say that, Bill, I think he's going from the White House to the jailhouse. <laughs> and here we're going to live that time where that could well happen. And using these skills... That you've honed, that you've honed, writing the advent. I suggest you keep close to your keep close to your chest, stand right in, and see what can evolve out of these interesting times. Of you, a high school senior, 
at you, a high school senior, now looking forward, looking ahead at the, these generations ahead of you <coughs> to see what could be, what's, what's going to come out. Is that something? Have you thought of that? Is that something you would consider, maybe? Well, well I know, I know you, you're, you know, you're alluding to a lot of activity that's been going on at the top level of this country. But what American Advent really, oh, yeah. really focused on was, yeah, exactly. What, what's going on right here? I mean, who are the people who sign their pens and cast their ballots? Mm-hmm. You know, who's who? That changes. That makes a swing state what a swing state is. You know, obviously, it was a great learning experience for me. Well, you're learning, and uh, yeah, and, and you're learning, and uh, this will be emer- so be emerging, and there's so many social skills, social media skills you have that you can begin to reach out, and I'd like to see the ad- advent, the new beginning, volume <laughs> two. With volume two. Well, well, the, the the advent, the advent in the title American Advent, a title created by myself and my mother, again who provide a lot of support. Which is, you know, it's it alludes to the, the time of the, the succession of poll closings. So first you have Indiana, then Kentucky, then you have Florida, wow. Virginia, and they go down. So the advent is each and every successive hour, leading to a significant event. Oh, I thought the spiritual mm. political sense, but now I get it literally. Well, this is, uh, so the second advent coming up with your mom and your dad and you. Is your mom listening? You can say, hey, mom, how's it going? <laughs> I can say, hi, mom. And say whatever you like here. This is free speech. Free speech. Hi, mom. Uh, oh, hi, mom. You know, I, I know you're listening from home. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hey, mom. Thank you for everything. I know you're... Val's waving over to you from over here in the Mission District, over to the Excelsior. Uh, well, you know, thank you for everything. You're, you're, you know, you're you're the reason I'm up here today, and the reason why I've, you know, excelled. You know, it takes more than instructors in school. It takes a good, it takes a good family household, as as a lot of us will tell us. Well, I can feel it, brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember, this is podcast. I don't know if you this is uh, podcast too. This means that shortly after we finish this, you gotta go. This and the show's over. This will be on and. You you can listen to yourself. You can go to mutinyradio.fm. Um, yeah, and right into the podcast archive, and you'll find us there. Our show you're listening to is Common Thread Collective. Um, so I know we're making you do a lot of work today, so you already went to a full day of school, but but this it seems like we have a great opportunity to kind of review a lot of a lot of your the body of work at least that we're talking about today right. so you you've done um you've done uh, historical fiction with the battle for north beach mm-hmm. you've done uh, biography uh, you know, biographical narrative um with uh, diarrhea of a black man mm-hmm. uh you've done american advent where it's similar uh of reaching out and using taking other people's voices but then writing about uh these people's voices and now you've been working on a, a, a non-fiction book about Coney Island. Uh, of Staten Island. Which Staten they're Island. right next door to I'm each sorry. other. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm showing my Californianess <laughs> right now. Borough. Staten Island. Yeah. Forgive it, it, me. It's a stone's throw away. Across, okay. across, you can actually see it from Staten Thank Island. Thank you for making me feel better about that. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, go ahead. Tell us about it. Well, the, the idea began with... Um, I had always wanted to write a nonfiction you know, piece of literature. 
and I, um, what happened was, you know, I was in school and I was inspired because in, in schools nowadays they have what's called the, the advanced placement, the AP curriculum. And what it is, is it's the history of the Americas from a little bit before, from the American Revolution all the way till the 1990s. And, you know, these, you know, the college board expects teachers to cover this within a year. Uh, so they're, you know, that, as you can imagine, that really doesn't allow much time to go in detail into everything. Right. So I saw something, a project like this, didn't know what it was yet, uh, to fulfill that, that niche I saw for chronicling really specific parts of the United States. And... Um, I had heard about Staten Island before. Okay. It, it has the largest concentration of Italian Americans in the United States, about 250,000 Italian Americans. That's like that's a little over a quarter of San Francisco. You can imagine all, all Italians. And um, so, I, you know, I, I like to use Google Maps. And for some reason, I was hovering around there looking at different oh. town names, thought it was really beautiful. And one day I said to myself, well, maybe this is something to explore. Excuse me. And little by little, you know, I, I had to call cold call people. Maybe I read about them in a newspaper article. They were featured in a little radio station wow. like like Mutiny Radio over here in San Francisco. Maybe someone had written a book about their family and I saw them in it. I began making the first calls. Uh, word of mouth, uh, more sophisticated techniques, started reaching out to people on Facebook <laughs> like I had for American Advent. So I had a little bit of experience with outreach, community outreach. And I, I, I've gathered this whole story, and it's told from Native Islanders. We have a lot of politicians in the book, uh, activists, you know, from edu people who want education reform, restaurateurs, uh, business owners, and everyday people who've even moved away to the sunnier shores of, let's say, Florida or, or New Jersey. So it's a whole story weaved in one from personal testimony like American wow. Advent, mixed in with history, because no one has attempted to write this, this kind of book about Staten Island, so it's really taken me hours looking on the archives, trying to dig up information and kind of piecemealing everything together. Did you spend any time in, uh, in Staten Island? I spent a week. A week? <laughs> for the summertime. And you know, I, I had never been there before. Wow. And, this, and so when I went finally... Welcome went, to the streets of Staten Island. Why would you want to go to Staten Island? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because he, he, he pretty well answered that. He answered that. This is Mutiny Radio, so we do have a peanut gallery. So uh, hey. it's all Part, it's all part of the fun. <laughs> he did answer that pretty much. Well, go ahead, brother. Tell us Because uh, I saw a lot of the pictures yeah, from good. from your trip to Staten Island because you and, hey. and your dad went. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I so dragged him along. <laughs> but it, 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 it was a one-week extravaganza. I met with a lot of the people who I interviewed. And, you know, I would get maybe six of us together for breakfast, lunch, or dinner at any one time. Just people who maybe they knew each other, maybe they didn't. And we'd all gather around the table and we'd tell. And Staten they would... They would, they would tell their stories about growing up and you know it you know people like to talk about little Italy's in America I mean Staten Island in the 1940s was Italy so it brings us back to the the origins of Neapolitan life on the island you look at you know most of the signs were in Italian a lot of the pioneers were in Italian um, of course, the telephone was invented on Staten Island by and by an Italian who was expatriated there from Italy the uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that's uh, so. Now, now, so this has been coming together. It's as much as come. Do you have a bunch of loose, loosely folders? You have a study in some place where you do your writing. 
some place where like we have a study we have like loosely formed folders <laughs> and newspaper articles and sketch words and well, paragraphs well it, and, it, it, and we want to find how organic your process yeah your be. process yeah well, well it's organized quite in, in the beatnik fashion <laughs> um, you know I, I, I would take notes take notes on paper and pen you know people are talking you know at rapid pace so you, you have to jot down <laughs> you know usually in about a week I can do four to five interviews and they usually take about two hours on the phone of course I sort through you know what's what stands out from those interviews that I put in the book mm -hmm. although I make a promise to everyone that they are going to be going into the book you know I want to honor their families and I want to like I said I want to try and be as specific as possible so basically what the book's about is it starts with some of the origins because Staten Island was notable for being susceptible to development. A lot of developers wanted to come in, uh, build their shopping malls, and build uh, kind of what Saramani looks like in its surrounding community. Um, but there's a whole area of the northern shore which was like yeah. pretty much like a quaint little Italian village, especially some of the beach colonies, like where Catholic activist Dorothy Day lived there. Dorothy and, Day? Yeah. <laughs> that was the, uh, the Catholic worker. That's, that's uh, and, and she, okay, go ahead. She she had a summer bungalow actually in a Spanish an, anarchist colony on well, Staten she Island. Left, went to Greenwich Village, where she where she joined the anarchist communist anarchists and so on. But Amos began putting up the Catholic worker and uh, putting people up Christie Street, and uh, uh, and I think that's really interesting. You should have her that you're going to have her in your book, Dorothy Day. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned her by the way. Yeah, she, she's got maybe she's got a page in. Half mixed in with the Spanish anarchist vegetarian society, and that's where that's where she resided on Staten Island. And she she was living life all a bohemian, actually in Greenwich Village before she, of course, she converted to God. But but that's in only one, that's one of many stories in, in this in this whole collection of really powerful narratives. You're gonna photographs too. Oh yeah, I, I'm planning on putting in lots of photographs, yeah. and it's it's going to be, uh, you know, at least to my standard, somewhat professional because I'll be adding in an index and, you know, bibliography, and the cover's already pretty much done. Uh, the, I guess I can spoil the title, Staten Island, like it or not. Wow. <laughs> That's a great sassy title. Very I frank. Like how, Bur how Burrow Five kept its soul alive. That, a that's Z. the subtitle. Yeah, oh, that's wow. what they call now long form nonfiction. Is what they call. What they call it? Long form nonfiction. And when I'm thinking, what I want to say and say, oh, but wow, look who's here. Is I want to see an article. Let's see. We put this pencil seeds now. This would be mind blowing. That you have an article from your book of Staten Island. People can, uh, in the New York New Yorker magazine. Let's see if you can step up that far. You read the New Yorker. See they have their own style, long form nonfiction, and see what and. Uh, an interesting New Yorker-style story about Staten Island for the New Yorker would be amazing. And it'll be first in the long line of, of New York canonical literature. Canonical literature. Canonical, my yeah, goodness. There's you know books about Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, thousands and thousands of books. Perfect. Staten Island, maybe you're talking about five books, not even that. Interesting. Uh, most of them are older, you know, books of family, really reference books. So this is mm -hmm. this is going to be something that's going to be country. Yeah, exactly. Long-form nonfiction, narrative, wowzy. Well, you're biting off a hell of a lot. You're an amazing human being, and you're going to take this now. Now it's time. These books you read, well, it's solid. It's got published. It's solid published for itself, and they're beautiful. But so this book, you can really begin to shop around and see if you can find a publisher who'd be interested in a book by a young fellow such as you, or a fellow such as you, or a human being such as you. 
about it would rise and fall in the, the book itself, Staten Island. That, that's correct, and, and I've I've learned the hard way that you know unless you're someone like Stephen King, you know you, you really have to be in a community of local writers. That's why I'm grateful to stations like Mutiny Radio, you know, showcasing local talent. Love it. Uh, local talent, Branson, Missouri. <laughs> uh, I, those two are synonymous with oh, each yeah. other in my mind. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's that's what's so wonderful. Um, that one of the things that keeps me, you know doing mutiny radio uh, as long as I have um, is that there really is a very supportive community of writers you know whether it be nonfiction or prose or poetry in, in San Francisco and in the greater Bay Area um, that really comes together and celebrates uh, one another and um, so I'm so happy that you've joined us here at Mutiny Radio. Obviously, you've got a great start <laughs> to and, say, and to, as an understatement. <laughs> now you see the kind of thing can be done here. And so you can now put your mind another way. How can you relate to what we do? As, this is called the Common Thread Collective, the show. And that comes to these four lines that came to me from the Spirit. You might have heard it, but it goes like this. We would all say, cast a wide net. Find the common thread. Let life flourish. Don't panic. Just keep, keep it, it organic. organic. So that's what, about what you're about. Do you do a lot of science fiction? No, well, well, now I, nowadays I haven't been reading much of anything. And in fact, I'm losing. I'm, my prescriptions have gone down a lot. Focusing on this on this book wow. really oh, for f- oh, f- five hours, you know, all week. And it, it, it takes a lot of five work. And and, sure. and for 14 months now, it's. You know, I've I've had a lot of you know gas in me energy, uh, you know, to try and working on this project, and now I'm I'm slowly easing toward the end, probably by wow. before the end of the school year, and then I'll and we'll see what the future holds. Wow, what the future holds. Speaking of it, I, uh, have you have you begun to apply? Are you applying to go to various colleges now? Oh yeah, I, I've been. I've applied to several colleges, seven, seven, you know, across the country in total. Uh, hope, hoping to for Stanford University, I was I was deferred there recently, um, but with Mutiny Radio behind me, now I'm it's guaranteed Absolutely. acceptance. Well, how about a college? That's right. We're uh, gonna steer the co- ship right towards college. Yeah, how about one in Staten <laughs> Island? Is there a college in Staten your, Island? We'll be your crew. <laughs> Stanford, Harvard uh, level college. What's the closest one in Staten Island? Well, there's Susan Wagner College. There, there's another. There's another technical school. Well, um, but m- most of them are life to other universities I in the see. New York area, of which there are many phenomenal ones. Phenomenal. But, but but see, they're, they're very practical on Staten Island. You know, it, it's an old it's an old school way of thinking. You know, you go into professions that you know you're going to get a good living out of, and then there are people like me who are who are writing and. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Living well, the life, Lorenzo. You'll be an amazing and outstanding human being. I'm so glad you came in, and uh, I want to say hello to your dad, too. Hey, Dad. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Well, now I got you talking. What's it like to have a son like this who's constantly amazing, isn't he? It's been wonderful. Um, Lorenzo's an amazing human being. Human being. He, he's a really gifted child. Uh, Mom and I have just been uh Thrilled to have live music around the house. That's right. Uh, many hours. Not the a neighbors. Day. <laughs> many hours a day. Plus, he's working on his book in Staten Island. Book, and who knows what's going on? What's going? What's coming next? 
but you shake my hand in amazement. Val, what do you think? Well, I, I'm just really pleased and um, to have you both here. Uh, and uh, Lorenzo, you, you, you seem to me like such a like an old soul in, in a new yeah. world, and, and you're a hardworking person, and uh, you've obviously done so much already in um, the past just handful of years. So I look forward to seeing what does come next, as you said, looking at, to the future. Yeah, maybe we can do some kind of follow up in five five something years. Absolutely, Absolutely. or sooner. Two weeks from yeah. now. Uh, yeah, two weeks from <laughs> Anytime. Now. Anytime. You're absolutely yeah. welcome here at Mutiny Radio. Um, the door is open, as as we would say. And now, never having been here, but now having been here, a big difference is now you see how it rolls around here. If you want to write a radio drama, look at a radio drama, write a radio drama to be played by how many p- p- voices or something, four or five voices, we try that too. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> the oppor- the oppor- the uh, yeah the opportunities are are, are endless. endless. <laughs> it's called doing more together than any of us can do on our own. Yeah, co- collaboration is okay. crucial. <laughs> and uh, we'll see. Maybe the next book will be about you know the people contributing to Mutiny Radio. It, it, like I said, it, you have to recognize local communities, and that that's what I'm doing with the Staten Island book. Okay, we have the that's exciting. And this uh, here at the beginning, here at the beginning, you can say people began to come together. The rest is history, 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 and what I call hipstery, which is the underground connections that we were making all the time. <laughs> so welcome aboard, Lorenzo. Yes. And so I guess I guess to close off uh, this little interview, I'll, I'll be playing two uh, final goodbye songs. Oh, beautiful. And uh, and we'll, we'll see what I'll play. Not sure yet. <laughs> okay. I like that. That's what we like around here on the Common Thread. We never know what's going to happen next, and that's what keeps Craft things and interesting. <laughs> I'll make sure that too. <laughs> yeah, Dave. That's what we do. That's why we're here, right? Oh, yeah. We're here because we, we like to open up um, our, our minds, our, our hearts, and our, and our doors and our microphones uh, to have artists come through and share their vision in whatever format or medium that may be, whether it's in writing or uh, playing music or talking about things that are important. And um, I'm just really excited to have Lorenzo Lucchese here today. Uh, our our young uh, wildcat, as they would call us at SI. Show <laughs> but uh, you know, also, it, it's it's really cool to have. Um, uh, you know, students coming out of that school that are pursuing uh, cre- these creative uh, interests and creative uh, professions and, and careers. Um, and uh, it's ins- I, it, I, I was featured in Genesis magazine several years ago, and I, the fe- I got a lot of feedback from that saying, you know, I'm really glad that they were showing somebody who was doing something kind of different, right? <laughs> formerly pirate radio station here mutiny radio not a pirate radio station anymore we are streaming around the internet on mutinyradio.fm but live here from san francisco's mission district so i see lorenzo is back up at the microphone on the stage oh yeah dave transcending all past categories we welcome all cool folk you know who you are we welcome all cool folk out here in the cutting edge. And interesting and, and, and thank God is through the social media, through, this, uh, through the magic of internet radio, here we are talking to you all around the planet. 
Uh, what can I say, man? Lorenzo! <laughs> take Lorenzo! It take it away, Lorenzo. Who's here? close off the show I thought we'd do something a little more festive reminiscent of the Midwest Great time. What, um, and just as a real quick ending, where, when's the next time people could uh, catch your act? Oh. Or I, well, best, best chances of, of catching your act? Well, sometimes you can catch me around North Beach, but uh, are you going to put contact information for me up on the website? I can do that. Yeah, go ahead and do that because, you know, a lot of these are private parties. Oh, sure. <laughs> to, to have the paparazzi show up. On yeah, the no, I know. you got to be careful about that kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, so uh, you know, tell your listeners they can give me a call anytime. Discount rates in San Francisco if you say you called from Mutiny Radio. And then I'd be happy to show up and rail out a few tunes. 
Very cool. Well, you'll get the, make sure I have that information before you go, and we will we will spread the word. Yep, and as I said, the copies are available on Amazon, or you can support your local bookstores too if you live in the mission. Dog-eared books, full Adobe books, folio books, look for them. So cool. Lorenzo Lucchese, it's a pleasure. I'm so happy you're here today. Everybody appreciates you being here. And if you're looking out for these books, folks, uh, Lorenzo Lucchese, spell Lucchese, L-U-C-C-H-E-S-I. An Italian after my own heart. My, my, my parents, or my San Francisco ancestors, we could say, started in North Beach um, about six generations ago, and uh, some of them became part of the Italian opera. So I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for uh, our, 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 our performer here and, um, and North Beach and uh, the music and the arts of our fine city. Um, you've been listening to Mutiny Radio here. We are the Common Thread Collective. So when you go to mutinyradio.fm, click on the podcast archive, you scroll and you see Common Thread Collective. And uh, today's podcast will be posted after 6 p.m. And today is January 11th, 2019. That's 1-1-1 to you and me, everybody. I'm Global Val. Um, let me play a little music for you uh, from some of our friends here in the Mission District called Mission Delirium because uh, we've had an upbeat day and they're going to keep us going.
तारी रुद्रिशाय तो बोनेर बोनेर मोडे तारी रुद्रिशाय रुम चुम 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 रुम चुम चुम रुम चुम 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 रुम चुम चुम केतुर पाताई नूपुर बजाए के जाए जाए Oh, 
আমি হয়ে বিবাগী আবার স্ত্রীপুত্র বান্ধবের লাগি ওরে স্ত্রীপুত্র বান্ধবের লাগি লাগি কেন মিছে তুমি কেন মিছে মর কেন মিছে মর অকারণ কত কত দিনে দিনের ভাড়ে ধরবি Common Thread Collective. This is from a, a CD that Bloodflower handed to me a few weeks ago, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet. A lot of fun, huh? It is a lot of fun. Arko Mukharji. If I say it a few times fast, it'll sound better. Mukharji. Arko. Um, and the album is called Five uh, Collaborations, Influences, Chapters. Maybe be five of each of those. Um, but uh, this is really lovely music. Okay, interesting. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll post it. Um, so you could check it out at arcomusic.com. Arco is A-R-K-O music.com. And we'll, we'll put it up on our Facebook page as well. We've been having a great afternoon here. Um, we're surrounded by friends, uh, new and uh, established and writers, musicians, poets, uh, anarchists, rabble risers, uh, and, um, philosophers, political, um, uh, wonks and, um, and the like. Oh, let me turn on your mic, Dave. Sorry. Okay. There you go. And Ekans just joined us. Hey, Kay, welcome. Hey, Dave. And we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about it a bit, the fact that we're going to have a special book party. Here on Saturday. Tomorrow. We're gonna, that's tomorrow. Wowzy. 
And we'll be talking more about that, but there's planning some seeds to the state listener. It'll be tomorrow afternoon. The book party is uh, E.K.'s book, which is... Ordinary Villains, Dave. Ordinary, Ordinary <laughs> Villains. So stay tuned. There's going to be a star-extended cast of characters that are going to be backing you up. They're going to be having your back. They're going to be enjoying the, 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 the occasion. Am I right so far? You are right so far. Okay, we'll talk about this as we go out to plant those seeds. Now, I have Joan. Have you two met Joan, E.K.? Hey, Joan. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Joan nice Rivard is back. You. Glad to see you. It's been a while. And I, I, I met Joan. A little bit of hipster here. I met Joan up at uh, Hippie Hill. I believe. And, uh, and, uh, and I began to discover that Joan, uh, up from L.A., was taking a real interest in the, the kids of Hate Street. The Wanderers, the Freight Train Riders, the, 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 those that used to be called uh, Gutter Punks. Crusties, and now just the homeless kids, they call themselves. Uh, traveling and so on. Is that right? And you've taken a special interest in who they are and what they're about, that generation. I sure have. Uh, I, I showed up there, you know, chasing the dream like other people that go there. And it's a special place. It, it has a special energy. It represents something so amazing that hasn't happened very often, if ever, in history. And what's that? So many young people, so many people from all different backgrounds, all different rich, poor, races, everything got together and wanted peace. You know, I saw a picture of the Summer of Love where the whole street was just packed, packed. elbow to elbow. You know, and, and that happened and, and it's, it's a very important historical event. And so I'm trying to find and hold on to what remains of it because I feel that it's a valuable resource in this country. We've got to enjoy it and, and make use of it because it's deeper than than a lot of people might realize. And some of those that you've you befriended, taken interest in, it's helping tell the stories of, just like Leonard was telling the story of, of uh, his book, of telling the stories that they have to say. People still had felt that there's something about Hate Street that brought them to by whatever means. Many times not in a, some automobile bill, not in a sports car, but by freight train, by the thumb, by every way they came here to be on to be on Hate Street and that part of the park where the hate where Hate Street ends and the park begins. And and um, I fell in love with them. Um, they're amazing people. When sitting down and talking to them, I found that they're so spiritual, unbelievable. I mean, they live these hard hard lives. They they get their stuff taken away. Their dogs. Uh, just terrible things happen to these people, and they sleep in the rain and on the ground and and yet they're always talking about love and peace and understanding and you know the wow. dream and and they're so alive and and you know I, I've come to think I think I realize that there's something more natural about them than a lot of people just because they're outside and just because they're not plugged into a lot of electronics and they're not, you know, hobbled with debt and, and schedules and having to get up before dawn to go to stupid work to drive three hours. It's horrible. It's horrible the way people are living, mm -hmm. you know. And it's not the way uh, this country was intended. And I still believe in this country because that's all we've got. You know, the, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, we can't just dump the 
those that's all we've got I, but I want you to know I love my any anarchist friends but I am not an anarchist because that's has a very bad label and well, there's a lot of things in, in our movement that have a very bad label that have been poisoned by other people you know which were good in the first the things were good in the first place but uh, they got twisted around. Well, we're practicing our First Amendment rights right here, so feel free. Our right of speech, the press, the impress, and what it is we put out there. Uh, we would, we're not, we're, 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 we're signed up to practice our First Amendment, our First Amendment rights, to, yeah. just to do that. So welcome, Joan. Yes, freedom okay. of assembly. Well, I came back to uh, Hate Street after being gone for about four months. And and I was just shocked at the, the the change that had taken place. Now I could be wrong, you know. Maybe these people come back, but this time I think it's different. Uh, this whole magic was happening over there, and then when I came back, the kids were gone. The park had five, eight cameras put up around the the beautiful pond where they all used to hang out. And um, and they had been chased away. I heard that three dogs were actually shot as they were trying to arrest these kids for, you know, sitting on the sidewalk or, or um, drinking or panhandling or camping. These kinds of uh, you know quality life quality. But remember, these are the winter months. There's a time where a lot of these kids. Uh, heading, they have that since they they, they live they, they live on the pack on their back of that they can go down south they can go to warmer climes and I'm still I believe that many of them are there whether they be in Mexico or whether they be wherever they happen to be and uh, and they'll be back as as it warms up wait and see. this may be true maybe true you know they're afraid to lose their dog they're afraid they lose all their belongings when the police stop them a lot of them. Uh, they also get their stuff ripped off. But, you know, this is the place. This is the hippie capital of the world. This belongs to us in some way, in a spiritual way. There, there aren't other... I mean, there are other places that might be similar, but, you know, this is this is a focal point and they'll be for, back. for that movement. Well, yeah, they a might be back. A lot of will be back. But, and, that's, and that's the banner you fly, is helping, the, helping put the message out. In fact, you have in front of you part of your book. Is that right? Yes, I do. And I'd love to hear you uh, uh, read something. I think you already have it picked out. And that will be definitely, how do we say that, food for thought. I will. But I wanted to talk about how it felt to come back. I want to tell that story, if that's okay. I, mean, okay. I had okay. it written down, but that section said. I didn't bring with me. I okay, thought well, I had you the whole book, but I didn't. Why I um, but, uh, but tell your story. This is, I, I just said this is free speech. Go ahead. Uh, uh. All right, when, when I came back, I looked down the street. There was hardly anyone there. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And, and it was partly because the McDonald's closed down. And that McDonald's restaurant, as much as a lot of us don't like fast food, it was the only place where they could get warm and, and get out of the rain and, and buy something for a reasonable price to eat and a warm drink. And without it, it it's just made it a lot harder. And then the cameras, and then I found out about the cameras that 
there's eight of them put up all around where they all used to sit and, and visit and, and have their community, and there's nobody out there. There was nobody. It was so strange, you know, even on a beautiful warm day, nobody sitting on the grass. And, and another thing is uh, there's some beautiful pillars at the end of the street that were painted rainbow colors. We call them the rainbow stairs and uh, purple on each side, big pillars. And, and there were trees, uh, evidently, before I got there. I, I didn't notice before I left on my trip, but there used to be trees where they used to sit underneath. So they cut the trees. Uh, they put up a no loitering sign, and now they're planning to paint the steps brown, all of them. And I don't know, I just feel that it's a magic that, that we want to hold on to. It's, it's something valuable. It's, it's beyond just a fad or even a historical event. In my opinion, the, the things that these kind of people teach, uh, you know, the long-haired hippie with the peace signs, even with short hair, I'm not saying they have to look the same, but that, that mentality, it's what saves planets. This planet is in a whole lot of trouble. Everybody knows that. I mean, the surveillance alone is nightmarish. I don't want to live in Orwell's world. And what have we got to, to unite people, to turn them on, to give them hope? You know, when I would see these kids and go out and talk to them, it made me feel better. It, it often made me feel better. You know, they know how to do things. They know how to build things. They know how to fix things. Uh, they know how to survive. You know, a lot of us are becoming more and more helpless as the machines take over and the jobs and the debt takes over. And, you know, we're separated from our loved ones and our communities and we're each in little cubicles. It's not a normal way for human beings to live. Um, and yet people are so good, they're not that violent. There's not that many weirdos as they want us to believe. And, you know, I'm seeing how hard they try to frighten us and make us afraid of our fellow man. Um, and I'm saying also a point which hasn't been driven very much, that uh, what the hippies believe in, cooperation, forgiveness, uh, that people are basically good, that's exactly what Jesus taught. That's what those ch churches should be teaching instead of the horrible, awful stuff that Paul the Apostle added to the Bible, which is full of stuff Jesus did not teach. And it's, it's really nasty. It, it, um, it says, slaves, obey your masters, uh, uh, obey every ordinance of man. Uh, that's Peter. Uh, women are horrible. You're horrible. You are cursed. You're born in sin. All that stuff was added. Unbelievable. And so... We're finding these people who don't think they're guilty and, and evil and born in sin and everything. And man in his natural in its natural state um, is pretty cool. Well, I got there in 1966. I was drowning here in San Francisco first in 1957. North Beach, Beatniks we were soon called. And then 1966, back to help kick off the hippie, the hippie movement at the very beginning. So mm. I see, we see that there's been the rise and fall. There's been people called, they're called the Cold Street Neighbors. They're the ones who most, we had a soup kitchen. Did you hear the soup kitchen where everybody would come to eat oh, together? Oh, yeah, I heard about and, that. Monday through, uh, through uh, Tuesday through Friday. 
every uh, every day, everybody would come together and eat together. Oh, that's a lot. Well, that's a lot of work. Tuesday it was. Well, I was Friday. a volunteer on Thursdays so and kind of made sure We had volunteers. We had people who loved doing it. We had amazing donations of food. We got well through the Department of Agriculture and all that. Tuesday through Friday, and then Monday you could go to All Saints Church. This is the seventies. Mm. Into the 80s. And then they All Saints Church on Saturday and Sunday. And then Monday, Food Not Bombs would serve right there at the end of eight where the park begins. And that very stomping ground you're talking about. Oh, that's really cool. The stomp cool. has gone on. That's why I said. People will come by. Rainy weather is a, good, a chance to leave San Francisco if you can, and people do. But many people do come back. But I'm more concerned, though, about how they make laws giving some people a $1,000 fine for feeding the homeless. That's what I'm about. concerned about laws saying you cannot live in your car or in a tiny house well, well, when, when, you know, they're kicking so many people out with these impossible rents all over the whole country, not only San Francisco. You know, how are we going to stop this? How, how can we not be victims to, uh, you know, uh, financial entities that want to make the laws to tailor their, their profit? And, and, and suffer so much, you know, how it's many not like people... not an alternative either. Well, we better begin well, to build an alternative. we have to find alternative. an alternative. It's, it's on us. It's on what we're doing right here on a Friday afternoon to put that out there, wherever we are, to begin to connect to one another and let it emerge, that's what I say. Mm. I say and whatever, whether it be the, the liberal wing of the Democratic Party, all the way to anarchists, we're all in this together. I like Elizabeth Warren for president. I said... Uh, uh, months ago, I said, that's my candidate. Now I see she's running. And I think it's time that it's the time of the woman. I'm all for it. I'm a Democrat, and I think all of us should unite behind one party. That's my well, personal well, well, opinion. People Not always it. popular, but that's, that's what I think. I don't see how else we can swing anything. You know, well, people are going to do what they're going to do. Hopefully, we have the Women's March. Uh, but I'd mention that again. That's true. I, um, I, the Women's March is going to be next Saturday, January 19th, here in San Francisco and around the country. I interviewed one of the co-founders and the co-chair of Women's March San Francisco today on Women's Magazine. So that podcast is up. So the January 11th, 2019 podcast for Women's Magazine. That's going to be huge. And um, it's going to be huge. huge. And, and so uh, there'll be a rally at 1130 at Civic Center, followed by a march down uh, Market Street to the Embarcadero starting at 1.30 p.m. And they have a huge slate of speakers uh, bringing together. Um, so the, the theme this year is the women's wave. Um, so uh, the first year it was women's, uh, women's March, uh, hear our voices. Second year it was hear our vote. First we march, now we run. And now with the election of over two, 125 women around the country, um, not only uh, the 100 and like 17 that were elected to Congress, um, but uh, gov governorships, um, uh, local elections all, all around the country has been a, a wave of success, uh, successful women candidates who have stepped up. Um, and so the Women's March of uh, D.C., that particular group, have formed what they're calling the a, women, a women's platform that they're going to be pu pushing and pursuing in Washington, D.C., to not only obviously get all of these women who've been elected, who have just been sworn in, but to, to continue to work with them and to continue to push forward agendas that include everybody in society and take into account those who are uh, less fortunate in a system that benefits, you know, those who get in line and, um, you know, 
try to be greedy. So I, I really do see that there's a shift um, in the hearts and minds and now actually in elected um, you know, offices um, across the country. And I'm excited by the amount of energy that people are pouring into this right now because it's not it's not on. just a, a sound bite anymore. You know, I, I think part of the reason why we're in the mess we're in is because sure there were elected officials but you know you maybe you'd vote maybe you didn't and then they'd go into office and then nobody would ever say anything to them again except a few you know loud constituents um and and right now it's 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 many loud constituents and so i feel like we're moving towards a more accountable um type of structure um people are ignited and um so, yeah, uh, come on out to the Women's March next Saturday, the 19th. Rain or shine, it was pouring the first oh, year. It sure was. I st- I'm still coughing from that time, two years ago. Oh, gee. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I was wearing this color. That's why I wear this. This is my protest pink. Oh, protest yeah, that's, pink. That's what it yeah, is. If, you d- if you've oh, never. I know. We're here on the radio. We wish you could see Joan yeah, Rivard. She's so colorful. People get flashes. And a lot of your writing is on your website, peacedrums.org. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. it is. Oh, I appreciate that. What, ra- what, did, what selection did you bring today? I have a couple pieces I can read. I thought I was going to read my, my stories about getting back to the hate, but I'll read these others that came earlier when the kids were all still there. There's still some there. There just aren't as many. They'll be back. I mean, there'll be more back come spring. The Rainbow Gathering is going to be in Minnesota this year, so you're going to see people begin to flow up here, go up north of Portland, across to Seattle, and then across the country to the Lake Superior, to the, really the Superior National Forest. So that's yeah. going to be happening, too. They were so but wonderful. We want to hear from you. All right. Making friends on Hate Street. That was just one of my little experiences as I got here and met, met all these people. I find it hard to just walk down Hate Street if I'm in a hurry, because there's just too many things to see and people to meet. The beautiful buildings and exotic shops, the art murals covering so many of the walls are enough to slow you down. But more than anything, it's the people who are irresistible, many of them unusually friendly because of what this place represents. The house free, that's what I call the the nomads, are always willing to start a conversation, whether you give them any money or not. Without being plugged into electronics, meeting people is their form of free entertainment. The benches in front of the Hate Street Grocery are a good place to sit, where tourists and the house free can interact in a meeting of worlds. There's often a knot of people blocking the sidewalk there, and two or three leashed road dogs lying down in the planters next to the benches, where well-groomed paying customers sit next to untamed wild nomads and enjoy conversations. The nice thing about the organic grocery store is that it lets people sit there without buying anything. I sat down in the sun and watched a conservative-looking man having a good time giving away chocolate to the nomadic young people. His hat had a rainbow on it, and he seemed so excited about the encounter. You could tell he was going to tell the folks back home about it. I met the group blocking the sidewalk, a girl and two guys going to Pennsylvania with two bikes and five dogs. The boy had a small dog riding in his shoulder, on his shoulders, and another slung into his shirt. The two leashed big brown dogs rested in the planter, and a smaller dog, the mother of the two littlest dogs, oh, with, with that. We had a rousing discussion about religion and politics, which is permitted on the hate, unlike at family gatherings. 
We all agreed with everything each other said. <laughs> we exchanged poetry. I'd like to point out that just because young people travel together doesn't mean they are romantically involved or intimate. There are so many reasons why it's better to travel with someone rather than traveling alone. A young woman on the road is certainly much safer with a male escort and a couple of dogs than she would be alone. A traveling partner can watch your stuff or watch your dog when you need to go somewhere or go into a store. They can tell your family or friends if something happens to you and you need help. In so many ways, traveling with a partner can help with the work of survival, as well as providing the companionship which human tribes are designed for. Most of us feel scared alone in the forest. Then they and, and their dogs left to go to Pennsylvania, and I continued on up the street until I stood in front of the amazing tie-dye emporium at Hayden Masonic. All, all around are unique buildings and decorations, but this one stands out with its big rounded pillars painted in rainbow colors. The store sells nothing but tie-dye. Walking into it is an experience, surrounded by the brightest colors and designs imaginable and stuff hanging from the ceiling. I met a smiling, white-haired woman in, in the back who said Jesus was a feminist and told me about an epiphany she had about a synchronized time in life. I bought a blue tie-dyed top hat for a princely sum. Out on the street, there was a young man wheeling an old man in a wheelchair near the bus stop near to, next to Whole Foods. We had a beautiful, he had a beautiful Christ-like look on his face, framed by medium-length, thin, dark blonde hair. He was very thin. They were not related, but the younger man was taking care of him tenderly. It was easy to start a conversation, and soon I was reading something I wrote to them, and the old man was pulling out of his backpack something he wrote that he wanted to read to me. Then he timidly asked if I could help them get something to eat. I could tell they really needed it and gave them some money, hoping it would buy them something at McDonald's. At McDonald's, I met a girl with nine alien tattoos. A guy walked in, immediately started talking about God. See, it's kind of random. I just meet all these people. Thank you. A guy walked in, immediately started talking about God, energy, and aliens. He knew a lot. He said, laughing, that he likes his independence and would tell a girl, I may not be Mr. Right, but I'm Mr. Right now. <laughs> then I met two girls, one with dreadlocks and one with turquoise hair. We read poems and had a good talk about hate street magic. You could see they were homeless, but like so many others, they said they were happy. Then I joined a group of youths sitting on the curb of the planter next to Whole Foods. We discussed life and shared poems, shouting to overcome the noise of traffic going by. And that's that one. Well, that's, that's delightful, <laughs> don't you think? You really captured. Yeah. Just the walk on Hate Street, the cast of characters, what's it about? And you would speak of Hate Street, here would be Sapphire, Whitaker, Sapphire. Hey, uh, Hate Street. Shout out to Hay Street, uh, uh, everything on Hay Street's bound and about, looking beautiful each day. The war is not going to take the young kid, and we're very happy about that, amen? And be good to you and you to others. Amen. I love you, Dad.
All I right. can have a Yeah, Sapphire. She's on 8th Street every day. You see her there. Anyway, is there something else you'd like to read? I would like to if you want me to. Maybe another one? Yeah, read another like one. That. What do you think, Val? This one is called a true... Uh, do you mind? I hope okay, we got time. Okay, There's a true more. love story. Okay. Oh, yeah. On another morning walk, I ran into a somewhat disheveled 20-something young man with short blonde dreadlocks, and we sat on a stairway of one of the row houses and talked. The lady who lived there was nice when she came out to go to work, greeting us with a smile as she stepped over my satchel and sleeping... No. my Oh, I guess I had it with me. So I didn't sleep there. Okay. <laughs> I had it with me because I slept uh, at uh, an artist friend of mine's that I sometimes can crash there if it's cold instead of my truck when I go there. I don't live in my truck. I just... Uh, We'd go there and spend the weekend. Okay, um, that was a little confusing. She declined my offer to move them. I said, "Can I, you want me to move the stuff? She said, no. You, you could tell this was San Francisco. This young man I met, he started telling me how much he was in love with his wife. They were high, they were high school sweethearts named Darian and Adrian. He said, I don't know what she sees in me to choose to stay out here with me. He said they had two children who lived with his mom. He said the state took the, their first baby at delivery, though there was no pot in his system, only some in the mom. Then they took the second one, even though there was no pot found in either the baby or the mother. He said his wife was really upset about it, and don't get me started. I think that's one of the most horrible losses of liberty that we've got, that we cannot hold on to our children if we're poor or if we are in a custody battle. Same thing, you know, a bunch of lawyers can't hold on to your little infants. That is a gigantic loss of liberty. He talked openly and without embarrassment about his relationship with God. Echoing something the house free have expressed to me before, he said, I love this life. I met God out here. He said, I'm doing the work for him. He takes care of me. All he asks is that I spread love and respect. It was amazing that he still felt that way because I found out they just had all their stuff confiscated by the rangers the day before. They'd slept on the ground in the park last night without their tent and sleeping bags. The thing he was saddest about was his guitar. With that, he'd been able to make a little money as a street musician. They'd found an old shag rug to sleep in and had spent a very cold night. He said that when their stuff was taken, they hadn't even left their camp, but were sitting just a few yards away. See, the rangers come and take all their stuff if they don't take their tents down immediately. Like, I don't know what time or if right when the sun comes up or something. I don't know. I think it's 7 a.m. I'd like to find out. But if they leave their stuff, their stuff is often gone. Uh, everything, you know, their diaries, their backpack, their tent, their sleeping bag. They just put it in the back of a cart and drive off. When they came back, everything was gone. The rangers must have been very quiet. He said, attachment leads to suffering. <laughs> he said it was okay to lose things because someone else might need them. But he admitted that since sleeping on the ground, he felt a pain in his left side. He asked for nothing and seemed to minimize his many challenges. I gave him a packaged dinner I happened to have in my satchel, which had been given away by a charity group at the horseshoe the evening before. I went to Goodwill to buy him a blanket or sleeping bag, but they didn't have any. We had to settle for a curtain panel and a bright red Christmas tablecloth, which might be better than nothing. He wondered again why his wife stayed with him out here. 
Then he told me that when they got married, the minister seemed in a hurry and rushed through the ceremony. He said he wished it had lasted longer. Then we went to Whole Foods, where I used my card to get him a little money in cash, which he tried to refuse. Sitting on the benches outside Whole Foods, we shared the gentrified cookies I had to buy to use the card. A well-groomed couple walked by, obviously not of the same class as the dirty kids. They called themselves dirty kids. Mm -hmm. Panhandling nearby with their dogs. My friend said to the man, I like your jacket. <laughs> I laughed at the thought of this grubby, slightly overweight guy with dreadlocks telling this elite-looking guy that he liked his fashion sense. He said, I like to give people compliments. It makes their day. He told me how one day he asked God for just one cigarette, and within minutes he found a whole pack lying on the ground. He said, why would he care about just me? He said, you have to learn to live with joy in your heart. I know from my conversations with him that it pains him to see us in pain. He said that he'd seen God. It was easy for me to see what his wife saw in him. That's wonderful, John. <laughs> Your writing is exquisite. Thank you. The word that just came to me spontaneously, because your words are well chosen. Bang, 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 and your use is just uh, thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Joan and Joan Rivard. So again, check out PeaceDrums.org uh, for some more happy of her writing. Birthday. Oh and yeah, happy I, just, I yeah. turned seventy. What? Yeah, happy you birthday. didn't know. It was what? seventy. It was my seventieth birthday. Happiest wow. birthday. A yes. septuagenarian. I'm a septuagenarian, <laughs> if I can pronounce it. <laughs> I like, I like well, that I'm word. I'm a octogenarian, so yeah. Yes. I call Dave a, I call Dave a rocktogenarian. Oh, I guess we're, it's really we're both not hippies that. Rocks in my head. <laughs> we are. I just, uh, we are. We are. It's so we good are not to, extinct, though. Yeah, it's so good to have you and whatever help we give you getting that pretty. Because what you do is important work, John, up there and bringing the, the, the people together and feeling full of the spirit, bringing the spirit, letting them know you appreciate them and what they do. Thank you. Thank you very much. You appreciate them what they do. So, Val, t tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. We're going to have a spinoff, which is a, a book party. <laughs> for your book. Tell us a bit about it. Well, it's uh, it's my book release party for San Francisco. Another place yeah, you can think of. And, um, you know, the book came out in September, so uh, it's it's been a slow release <laughs> it's time release it's time release it's a time release um so it's gonna be really fun it's gonna be from eight to ten right here at mutiny radio and at the corner of 21st and florida what is the address here val we are at 2781 21st street all right 2781 21st street mm -hmm. and um so Mia Byrne, who is a singer-songwriter, has laid down some tracks that we're going to use um, in between some of the poems. And during the end, when I'm signing books, there will be like kind of a block of her. Yeah. Um, and and that, we'll ma have... that makes it a double debut because we're debuting your book, yeah, we're, Ordinary Villains. we're debuting Villains. some new songs from Mia Byrne. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, a, a lot of poets um who have been important in putting this book together uh have agreed to show up and do some poems 
and um, I have Lourdes Figueroa and Thea Matthews and Lauren Ito and the fantastic Global Val Ibarra are going to be helping me out with my feature part of the evening. Um, and then I've got uh, my editor, Natasha Dennerstein, is going to put in an appearance. So cool. Yeah, it is so cool. And she was, she really whipped me into shape. Let me tell you what, like, she's a good editor. And like, you know, who wants an easy editor? Like, let's just be clear about that. <laughs> um, it, it provides an amazing, she provided me an amazing opportunity uh, to really, like, grow my work as a poet on the page. So I can't wait to hear what she brings. And how the poems connect to one another as well. Um, you know, I, I did most of that. Um, she really she pushed me in in a lot of the page work like the structure of it she was actually really happy about that because <laughs> i i spent uh, about a year and a half working on that manuscript so um that part that part was pretty set but yeah she she was great um i let's see i have let's see natasha dennerstein is coming jennifer barone is coming and ingrid keir Wonderful hostesses of the word party. Yep, the wonderful hostesses of the word party. Um, and we've got Tongo Eisen Martin coming, who blurbed the back of the book, as well as Kim Shuck. And my old friend, Charlie Getter. <laughs> so um, those are those are folks who are who are making an appearance and it's going to be a live show, so show up if you can. But if you can't, you can live stream it. And if if that's just too late for you, then you can download it as a podcast sometime oh. after, anytime you want. So that's what's neat. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And and thank you, Val, for having the idea. Oh, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm it's pumped. Pretty neat. Um, yeah. I, I mean, in case you know sounds really mellow right now but um it's going to be a pretty exciting night um, but really i'm a ball of nerves okay <laughs> hey, welcome people welcome aboard <laughs> yeah so we're going to be gathering here um just very close to the eight o'clock hour so um about about a quarter to eight because there is going to be another show happening right before it but here pretty much in the studio part so we'll be able to come in and and uh but if you, if you show up by about 10 till um quarter to eight so we can make sure everybody who uh can fit in one of the seats um come in and get a seat there'll be some standing room as well yeah and then uh eight o'clock um we go live and so it'll be a a really cool book release party that'll be live on mutinyradio.fm and then as a podcast in the archive there's a special section on, on our archives called friends of mutiny where we have uh, special events uh, such as this and so um, that's where it will be posted and, and once that once that all happens i'll be sure to let people know through social media um, where they can find that link etc yeah. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Because your book is awesome. And, uh, Thanks, Val. And we have a good time. Well, let's hear a bit, let's hear a bit from it. 
It's about Houston, and uh, that's where I'm from. And this is called "The Astrodome Has Its Own Weather." No one escapes Texas stereotypes. People always interrogate my lack of hick accent, backward politics, and family ranch, but they never ask me about baseball. It's not in the stereotypes DNA, like boots or barbecue. The Astros are our team. Dad liked to sit in the bleachers, the cheap seats, way, way out in left field, or in the gray layer of the Astrodome, where nobody liked to sit, halfway up the orange rainbow. The eighth wonder still wears an internal jersey, layer by layer, stadium seats monochromed to match the home team, etc. 